Stories, fables, ghostly tales. A tale of a man who lurks in the forest and hides in the trees. What are his intentions? A dog whose appearances are more than just coincidences. And a tale of how the jellyfish became, well, a jellyfish. Welcome, listeners, to three stories, just for your lovely ears. First, we have The Lonely Man. Second, The Dog Named Grim. And third, The Jellyfish Takes a Journey. I have my Earl Grey with a dash of honey. Just how I like it. And how do you have yours? Do you put sugar in yours? Milk? No milk? Depending on how I'm feeling, I tend to go for milk with a bit of honey. But let me know how you do it. Anyway, turn the lights off, the sound up, and get ready for something different. For the past two or three years now, I've taken long walks through the forest just behind my house. Mostly when I'm bored and there's nothing to do. It can get rather lonely living in a small house far away from any town or city. I never had any real problems with these walks. Nothing that would ever cause me to feel nervous or uncomfortable. This all changed during the winter of 2010. It was during what was known as the Big Freeze of 2010. I looked out my windows at about half past 11 in the morning and the whole forest behind my house was layered with snow. Because I was into photography at the time, I decided to go out and take pictures of the winter landscape and some trees from within the forest. I went out into the snow and made my way into the forest where I usually like to have a walk. I had a small digital camera tucked away in my coat pocket. As I entered, the beauty of the forest amazed me, and I began to take pictures. However, as I was about to take the next picture, the camera stopped working. I didn't think about it much, and just decided to continue walking anyway. This is when I began to have this strange feeling. The snow stopped falling, the sounds of birds stopped, and the blistering cold wind came to a halt. There was this horrible feeling of loneliness looming over me that I had never felt before. I continued walking, hoping that something would rid me of this feeling, even something like a caw of a crow. Even though it's not a pleasant sound, it would at least let me know that I wasn't alone. As I continued this walk, there was suddenly a loud crack, then a sound of something crashing onto the bare forest floor. I jumped and looked behind me, noticing that one of the very young trees was lying on its side. My eyes scanned the forest, thinking that someone or something was behind me. I saw nothing. I had come to the conclusion that it was probably just some snow weighing the tree down, or perhaps the soil or roots were loose, causing it to fall. The feeling of loneliness had left me completely. A new feeling had come to me, a feeling that I was being followed. Even though it was unlikely that there would be anyone else in the forest, I resumed walking, this time much faster. I didn't know whether to go back or continue walking. I decided I would continue as I thought it would be unlikely that anything was behind me. As I walked, there was another loud crack. I looked down, thinking that I had stepped on a stick, but there were no sticks around me. 
I then looked behind me. Perhaps it was a bird, I thought to myself. I scanned the woods again, this time for longer, desperately looking for the source of the loud noise. Then I saw it. My eyes fixed on this tall figure far in front of me. It was a tall man. It stood by a tree, and the trunk of a tree covered half of its long, thin body. From what I saw, it had a long, thick, dark cloak covering every inch of it. No skin or other body feature were visible. It was perfectly still, not moving in the slightest. I stepped away slowly, not taking my eyes off it, but as my foot crunched down into the thick snow, it turned. It had two holes cut into the fabric of the cloak. Its eyes were not visible. We stared at each other for about a minute before I decided to turn and walk away. I didn't want to turn away from it, nor did I want to look at it. I just kept walking. My mind was in a complete mess. I don't know if I was being foolish because I was scared. Perhaps, Perhaps it's, it's just, just some, some tall man in a cloak, cloak. going around, around trying to scare me as some kind of strange joke, I thought to myself. I peered over my shoulder, hoping that it had not moved. It was still there, not moving, its eyes staring at me as I walked away from it. As I got further and further away, I looked behind me and noticed it was closer. I began walking faster and faster, but I did not run. I looked behind me to see if it was there, but it wasn't. I thought it was hiding behind a tree, but it was not in sight. I decided to go back because it had clearly left. For the first time in what seemed like a long time, I felt somewhat calm. I knew I wasn't alone, but at least I knew I wasn't being followed. I walked back at a very steady pace, even though I wanted to get back to my home as quickly as possible. I made it to the edge of the forest, and I took one final look behind me. I was hoping I would see nothing, but I was wrong. There it was again, and all my fears came rushing back. It was a hundred yards away and approaching. It moved majestically across the snow and past the trees. I tried to ignore it, even though I was too terrified. I left the forest at a quick pace. My heart was pounding, and I quickly ran towards my house. I glanced back, only to see it make its way back into the woods, its eyes staring at me constantly. Its cloak brushed the branches of the trees as bits of snow tumbled down onto its cloak. Then, it was gone. Its tree-like body disappeared into the foliage of the woods. For one moment, I felt safe. When I got back into my home, I locked all the doors and closed the curtains, even though I didn't know what it was. I knew that it stalked me whilst I was in that forest. For all I know, it could have been a man trying to scare me. But I know that I will never go back into those woods again after that experience. It was a strange experience. I didn't know if the man in the cloak was a threat or not, or whether my brain was making me think he was following me. But I will never forget that day. Sometimes I think I can hear things outside my house at night, especially during the winter. Maybe it's just my mind.
Or maybe it is still out there. My parents had very demanding jobs. My mother and father ran a law firm and we had to travel a lot. I had to get used to being pretty much alone. I could never get used to having friends. I knew I would only end up moving anyway. I was also an only child. Therefore, life was pretty much a sad thing for me. However, I will never forget a strange encounter I had when my parents and I moved into a trailer on the countryside of Mississippi. It was pretty much desolate, other than a few other houses and trailers. The trailer was the best my parents could find. We moved into the trailer next to an old man. He looked as though he was in his late 80s. He also seemed to live alone. I never saw anyone but him outside. I don't think he had a wife, kids, or even grandchildren. However, he did have a dog. It was a quiet and strange dog, though. He appeared to be a black German shepherd, and had one of the most unique, beautiful black coats of fur I had ever seen on any animal. His fur could be compared to that of the night sky. He was also quite large. He definitely had some Great Dane in his bloodline. When you see this dog's black coat and large size, he looks absolutely intimidating. It was simply astounding. I'd honestly never seen a dog quite like this. I went over to introduce myself to the neighbor. Though he looked grumpy, the man was very nice. He introduced himself as Mr. Frank Gosold, but he told me I could call him Frank. I then asked him the name of his dog. His name was Grim. Grim simply glanced at me, but paid me no attention. As time passed, Frank and I became friends. He said it was nice to finally have some company. I would regularly help Frank with his chores around the house. Afterwards, he would give me a little pay for my help. With my father always working, Frank pretty much became my father figure. It made me feel special. Something was quite strange. Every time I visited Frank, Grimm would be gone most of the time. Frank explained that Grimm loved to explore the woods, but my gut told me that wasn't the case. Occasionally, I would come across Grimm. His behavior was quite weird. Sometimes he would just sit completely still, staring out into the woods. He looked utterly focused. I would try to play with Grimm, but he was never playful. Whenever I tried to get him to play, he would just look at me with a blank stare and continue to stare out into the woods. His tail wouldn't even wag in the slightest. He just didn't seem like a happy dog. That was until about a month into staying in the trailer. Apparently, a man died late in the night. Police said he was drunk and drove his car into a tree. That day, I saw Grimm's tail wag. He actually looked happy. I ran over to see if he would happily greet me. After he noticed me, his tail stopped wagging, and he gave me a low growl. It was like I was disturbing his happiness. After that, I was determined to find out what was Grimm's deal. The weirdest thing about Grimm was his behavior. Every time someone in the neighborhood died, he would either be gone or be happy. What was this dog's problem? It was like he knew when people died. This began to bother me. It actually began to disturb me. I began to have nightmares about Grimm. I had dreams of him at the drunk man's accident. There was an old lady who lived about three miles away from us. She'd suffered from a heart attack in her sleep. I had a nightmare that Grimm had something to do with it. 
One of my final nightmares was of Grimm popping out of nowhere, biting my throat out. Time passed, and my parents and I were getting ready to move again. I told myself I would never try to make friends, but I made such good friends with Frank. I just couldn't leave without saying goodbye. Before I continue, I want to say that I was one of the only survivors. Remember that. You'll know what I mean at the end. Anyway, I said my goodbyes to Frank. He was sad that I was leaving. I was pretty torn up about it as well. However, I couldn't leave without knowing Grimm's issue. I asked Frank where he got Grimm. His face went pale for a moment. After a brief moment of hesitation, he answered, I didn't find him. He found me. My wife died a few years ago. After that, he just showed up. I found that quite weird. Grimm just appeared after Frank's wife died. I then asked him, does he know about Grimm's weird behavior? His answer will forever live in my mind. I once thought Grimm was a normal dog. I thought he was just some stray that found his way into my door. Then, I realized that wasn't quite the case. You see, my boy, Grimm isn't just a normal dog. As a matter of fact, he isn't a dog at all. I could not think of anything to say. I was completely baffled. I managed to ask one final question. Then, what is he? Frank looked at me with a face of caution. I think he's death. I used to be curious where Grimm would run off to just like you. I once followed him and discovered he was arriving at the scenes of upcoming death. He would never be happy until someone died or was about to die. I even believe he can be at several places at once. It's best you leave now. We don't want to upset him. Please. With that being said, I left Frank's house and never saw him again. We were on our way to the airport. I will never forget what I saw as we drove away. I looked out the back of the car window and saw Grimm. He was staring directly at me. But this time, he was wagging his tail. He was happy to see me leave. At the airport, we began to board our plane. Remember when I said I was one of the only survivors? As I boarded the plane, I could have sworn I spotted Grimm at the airport for a second. But when I took a second look, there was nothing there. I'm sure you can imagine what happened to that plane. I lost both my parents in that crash. I finally realized what Grimm was. This may seem far-fetched, but maybe Grimm is death. That's why Grimm is named Grimm. He is the Grim Reaper. I have never been a spiritual person. I do believe in death, though. Eventually, it's coming for all of us. However, I can confidently say I cheated death. And death is a dog. Death is a dog named Grim.
Once upon a time, the jellyfish was a very handsome fellow. His form was beautiful and round as the full moon. He had glittering scales and fins and a tail, as other fishes have. But he had more than these. He had little feet as well, so that he could walk upon the land as well as swim in the sea. He was merry and he was gay. He was beloved and trusted of the Dragon King. In spite of all this, his grandmother always said he would come to a bad end because he would not mind his books at school. She was right. It all came about in the wise. The Dragon King was but lately wed when the young lady dragon, his wife, fell very sick. She took to her bed and stayed there, and wise folk in Dragonland shook their heads and said her last day was at hand. Doctors came from far and near, and they dosed her, and they bled her, but no good at all could they do her, the poor young thing, nor recover her of her sickness. The Dragon King was beside himself. Heart desire, he said to his pale bride. I would give my life for you. Little good would it do me, she answered. How be it, if you will fetch me a monkey's liver, I will eat it and live. A monkey's liver? cried the Dragon King. You talk wildly, O light of mine eyes. How shall I find a monkey's liver? Know you not, sweet one, that monkeys dwell in the trees of the forest, while we are in the deep sea? Tears ran down the Dragon Queen's lovely countenance. If I do not have the monkey's liver, I shall die, she said. Then the dragon went forth and called to him the jellyfish. The queen must have a monkey's liver, he said, to cure her of her sickness. What will she do with the monkey's liver? asked the jellyfish. Why, she will eat it, said the dragon king. Oh, said the jellyfish. Now, said the king, you must go and fetch me a live monkey. I have heard they dwell in the tall trees of the forest. Therefore, swim quickly, O jellyfish, and bring a monkey with you back again. How will I get the monkey to come back with me? said the jellyfish. Tell him of all the beauties and pleasures of Dragonland. Tell him he will be happy here, and that he may play with mermaids all day long. Well, said the jellyfish, I'll tell him that. Off said the jellyfish, and he swam and he swam, till at last he reached the shore where grew the tall trees of the forest, and sure enough, there was a monkey sitting in the branches of a persimmon tree, eating persimmons. The very thing, said the jellyfish to himself. I'm in luck. Noble monkey, he said. Will you come to Dragonland with me? How should I get there, said the monkey. Only sit on my back said the jellyfish, and I'll take you there. You'll have no trouble at all. Why should I go there, after all? said the monkey. I am very well off as I am. Ah, it's plain that you know little of all the beauties and pleasures of Dragonland. Then you will be happy as the day is long. You will win great riches and honor. Besides, you may play with the mermaids from morn till eve. I'll come, said the monkey and he slipped down from the persimmon tree and jumped on the jellyfish's back. When the two of them were about halfway over to Dragonland, the jellyfish laughed. Now, jellyfish, 
Why do you laugh? I laugh for joy, said the jellyfish. When you come to Dragonland, my master, the Dragon King, will get your liver and give it to my mistress, the Dragon Queen, to eat, and then she will recover from her sickness. My liver? said the monkey. Why, of course. Alas and alack, cried the monkey. I'm grieved indeed, but if it's my liver you're wanting, I haven't it with me. To tell you the truth, it weighs pretty heavy. So I just took it out and hung it upon a branch of that persimmon's tree, where you found me. Quick, quick, let's go back for it. Back they went, and the monkey was up in the persimmon's tree in a twinkling. Mercy me, I don't see it at all, he said. Where can I have mislaid it? I should not be surprised if some rascal has stolen it. Now, if the jellyfish had minded his books at school, would he have been hoodwinked by the monkey? You may believe not, but his grandmother always said he would come to a bad end. I shall be some time finding it, said the monkey. You'd best be getting home to Dragonland. The king would be loath for you to be out after dark. You can call for me another day. Sayonara. The monkey and the jellyfish parted on the best of terms. The minute the Dragon King set eyes on the jellyfish, Where's the monkey? He said. I'm to call for him another day, said the jellyfish, and he told all the tale. The Dragon King flew into a towering rage. He called his executioners and bid them beat the jellyfish. Break every bone in his body, he cried. Beat him to jelly. Alas, for the sad fate of the jellyfish. Jelly he remains to this very day. As for the young dragon queen, she was fain to laugh when she heard the story. If I cannot have a monkey's liver, I must needs do without it. She said, Give me my best brocade gown, and I will get up, for I feel a good deal better. Well, the first story had me wondering if he was just looking for some company, perhaps a wayward spirit. I heard, though, that once you travel with a spirit of that kind, you can be whisked away unknowingly, walking down a path that humans are not to traverse, into the realm of the Fae, or a different plane altogether. The story regarding the dog is definitely a reference to the old visage of medieval days where the black dog, as it was called, served as an omen to warn others of their impending doom. Often those on their deathbed would state that they could see the black dog. I like the take this author had regarding this. A nice little twist. And lastly, the classic tale of the jellyfish, a fish doing the bidding of his master, tricked then beaten to a literal pulp. Yikes. That was my unique tale for this week, but I'm working on another piece of fiction alongside this, so I can't wait till later to reveal it. Have yourself a fantastic weekend, you lovely listeners, and I'll see you Monday for more creepy-licious stories. <laughs> As always, till next time.